toughness reigns supreme in this class. You like old school? We miss a little old school. Well, how about this? Grab your lunch pail, go to work, go to war. Recruiting class as a whole has finally 100% arrived again. You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by and making this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You can find me on Twitter at AllDayO State, available on every single podcasting platform, as well as YouTube. Yes, I love the connection of every single player that we're bringing into this class. You've already heard me say it, so it's not a big secret. It is the tenacity, the toughness, the the, uh, the vitriol that a lot of these dudes play with, regardless of how raw they are. It's something you don't see oftentimes anymore out of our recruiting classes. You know, one, one of the funnest parts about bringing people back, like uh, like your Tatum Bells and your Scott Tyners, and obviously when we have Corey Hilliard come on the show and potentially even uh, Bobby Reed waiting to get that sewn up, it just it really kind of gives you a, a little fun deep dive past, right? What Greg Richmond w- w- was going through at his time at Oklahoma State, w- what those guys brought, right, with that Les Miles era, it wasn't always pretty. We didn't obviously, you know, win every game by any stretch, but we brought this this war to every single game. No matter who you were, we did not give 13 craps. Did we always play to the best of our abilities? No, we did not. But what we did do is sock people in the mouth over and over, over and over again and make them like it, which is why Les Miles had that the record in Bedlam. Even if you go past... Right? You go back to this Keith Burns, Scott's Hunter days. Pat Jones had a lot of really, really nasty dudes on defense. Right? When you go and dig back, you always hear about Thurman. You always hear about Barry. You always hear about Hartley Dykes. But you don't always hear about how good some of those defenses were. Right? Position individually. Right? Maybe not always as a whole. Definitely not as depth. But we knew that we had to bring that attitude. Kind of like K-State. Right? We like to kind of model ourselves after the Bill Snyder style. There's, I don't think there's any denying that. That is Gundy's preference, and, and, and I feel like Gundy has turned into um, the, the new Bill Snyder. But when you have a Chris Kleiman, you know, you've got to kind of evolve a little bit more. And because we went with speed for so long, and, you know, we, we, we tried to manipulate the offense based upon what we couldn't get in recruiting, one of the biggest things Gundy always said we had difficulty with was big dudes, right? Not everybody w- rolls around weighing 300 pounds. And you can't just plug them in the middle and then find them all day every day. Well, you're going to notice that that does not longer need to be an issue that gets brought up. Because, as we're about to get to, we are there. So, 
Regardless of what you think about the number, right? On three sports last week had us ranked as the number one transfer class in America. I've seen some publications that have it overall at number 39, at number 41. So if you want to just play it safe and say right around the 40 range, I'm fine with that. Because, right? Okay, for instance, we'll go over the guys that we've already have the videos on. Um, so we'll touch on those real briefly. And that's going to be somebody like a Jack Indian. Six foot six, 295 pound offensive tackle. That again, we've talked about he's very, very, very good at pulling. He's very good at sealing off, getting to the second level. Um, you know, in college, he's going to be able to take on multiple guys at once consistently all the time. Maybe, maybe not. But in high school, it's clearly something he can do. In Arizona, much like down south, Oklahoma, Midwest, typically gives you the ability to practice and do things year round. And it, I think that's something that, that's going to show with him. Um, he might take a little bit of time to uh, obviously, you know, get his technique and, and everything dialed in. But he's somebody that is a tackle at the D1 level. And we're going to be able to see that sooner rather than later. We also talked about Gage Stanilan. Gage Stanilan was somebody that we got late, right? And it was a very good get. He was committed to Navy. So, you know, mentality alone, without even clicking on the film, if the dude was ready to go to Navy, that means he was willing to give up part of his, his life to serve our country. So, clearly, selflessness is not an issue with this kid. He's going to come in, he's going to bust his tail, and he's going to prove to everybody why he's legitimately 100% hands down a, a big-time Division division one type of player. A little bit undersized, right? He's somebody that you're, you're – Gundy talks about don't even get to the 300-pound size. That's why we're going to scoot him inside. So being 6'4", 270, 280 could be something that you're going to be able to get away with even after you go through a little bit of the glass system and you get some of that bulked up, hulked up and ready to go. Talked about Isaiah Kima. Probably the biggest high school get as far as offensive linemen go for sure. Uh, coming out of Wolford, Texas, he was a big get, right? Three-star, high three-star. Had to fend off people like KU and Arizona, and, uh, well, even even to some degree, somebody like a, an A&M or a Texas or a Nebraska. Because of he needing to go on his, uh, you know, religious two-year mission, obviously a lot of places weren't exactly willing to wait on that. What is our mentality at Oklahoma State? It's about this, right? This cowboy culture, I feel like we're, we're trying to bring it all together now with the glue being pace and, and speed Maybe now the glue is going to start shifting more into that. We're going to sock you in the mouth 24-7 and make you make you love it uh, type of mentality. And if that's the case, guys, we're, we're heading in the right direction. So clearly we believe even at 6'4", 300 pounds, he's going to be on some nutrition, some diet, some weightlifting uh, regimens, obviously, while he's doing his, his religious missions. And we feel very confident. The old school shake of the hand with the parents that we're going to make sure we get this done is going to happen. Another beauty is it's a massive get that fills a need down the road that we're obviously, you always need alignment, right? Especially ones that are going to be able to help you develop a little bit later on that come with an extra dose of maturity. We're all about it. And it's, again, indicative of this class. And before we jump on to the very next thing, you guys already know, I definitely have to talk about coming from the NHTSA as the holidays are coming down the pipeline. The, the impaired driving situation, unfortunately, seems to be something that is most bothersome at this point in time in the year, right? 
but let's just realize that if you're driving un under the influence of marijuana or obviously alcohol, alcohol, it's illegal. You could drive high, drive drunk, get a DUI. It is what it is. And if you're considering if law enforcement can tell when you're driving high, everyone, yes, yes, they can. Everybody can. Uh, you, your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, your parents can tell. It's not the, the easiest thing in the world to hide, right? So what makes you think the law enforcement can't tell? Well, the answer is they can. So if you feel different, you're probably going to drive different. If you drive high, you get a DUI. You drive drunk, you get a DUI. This is all common knowledge. So do not think that you can get out there and rock and roll. Driving on marijuana and alcohol is illegal. Don't do it. It just... There's so many loved ones and, and family and things of that nature that you want to be with throughout the holidays. Don't take that away from somebody else or have that taken away from you. So, yes, the, the, the O-line side of things, right? That's from the, the, the high school, obviously. And then we got Jacoby Sanders. Jacoby Sanders is a pretty cool story because he's grown up with the Gundys his entire life. So he's been inside Gage Gundy's house, Gunner Gundy's house, Mike Gundy's house, Kristen Gundy's house over and over and over and over and over again. Which means, you know, that they know that he's somebody that's going to be reliable. And this is the same dude that's been hiking the ball to both of their Silver High School quarterback boys uh, over the last few years. And they protect him. He's a center. He's in charge of basically calling out the, the defensive issues that they could potentially run into. They have to identify, you know, the linebacker, Mike linebacker, where the strong side of, of, of where their defense realistically could line up to help shift the, the the blocking to that area of the field. So clearly they know he can do it. And at 6'3", 310 pounds, yeah, yeah. The dude can already bench over 450. He can all, all, almost squat, uh, I guess, 600, something like that. He's already a beast. Gunny did mention that it's very high probability that he could be the strongest player on the team by the end of the season, uh, next season. So. Even if he doesn't get a, a bunch of PT, we see the upside. And we know that he's going to develop into precisely what, what, what we need, right? Okay, so let, well, now we get to jump in to some of the ones that we haven't really covered a lot. Um, Zane Flores. Yes, we've talked about him. Naturally. It just, it would make so much sense if everybody, could just not be a hater for, for no reason. You're going to hear people talk about Zane Flores, you know, being a three-star, and it's all Oklahoma State gets and this and that and the other. But as we, we've kind of touched on, anybody who starts at anywhere, any level, any time as a true freshman in high school is good, certifiably good. There's no way around it. Playing as a starting varsity as a freshman at a high school that has any legitimate size and competition level is massively impressive. So if he's the first person to ever do it in the history of Gretna High School, the dude's talented. And then he's a late addition to Elite 11. A lot of people, I think, know the story there. He was in the top 10 of the Elite 11 all the way. He was like the, the surprise, the sleeper, the kid coming from underneath. And he, he stayed in the top 10 to the last two days of competition. Then what kind of snuck up and bit him was his like accuracy intermediate throws, which is something he is going to have to work on. I would say that's really the only 
not downside, but but thing that he's going to have to to work a little bit on at Oklahoma State University. Loves the deep ball, right? Reminiscent of a potential Virginia transfer in Brendan Armstrong is the kid loves to launch it deep. But different than Brendan Armstrong is he's 6'3", 195 already. Zane Flores is 6'3", 195. I've heard grumblings that people want him to start. But, guys, let's face it. Let's be fair. Nine times out of ten, the backup quarterback is always the most popular dude on, on the field. Right? It's the fancy Ferrari type of position. So it makes sense. It's natural. But Garrett Rengale is going to be able to, to prove to people why he came here over all the big time schools he chose not to go to because he was also a big four-star get. So technically, Rangel's ranked above Flores. But if you look at the film, guys, there's a very, very massive reason why Matt Rule, one of the first things he did when he got the job at Nebraska was go straight after Zane Flores. And you can tell, by the way, they did it in the confidence level that they kind of exuded throughout it. They really thought that this massive push was going to land Zane Flores. And he stayed loyal and true. He committed. Arm talent, not a question. Great deep ball. A-plus level deep ball. Think Mason Rudolph, level deep ball. With potential of having that, that sort of size and stature. So what has he been asked to work on? Realistically, that was you know the, the getting out of the pocket, the rolling, being more mobile. Because in today's age, yes, a mobile quarterback is an additional weapon that adds to the numbers game of what the defense has to face. So it is always going to be massively beneficial from here on out to have somebody that can do both. So Zane has shown the ability to get out and scramble and run around, which is obviously something that, that uh, we wanted to have worked on. His shoulders are very, very, very fluid. Fluid. Whenever he's looking off uh, one side of the field, he's very good about giving the little shoulder shrugs to get the, the free safety to commit one side or the other, and then coming back to the other side of the field. So his ability to manipulate the pocket, which means obviously move within the tackle boxes up in the pocket sideways without going bailing in the back, because that is uh, any athletic quarterback. You grew up being fast. So your natural inclination is to bail out the back and use your speed and roll out. It's very difficult to, to teach kids to scoot up in the pocket, to move side to side, to keep your feet moving, to keep your feet at the right proper depth so you're set up to throw and you're not throwing off your back foot. He's already advanced at doing that stuff. So I do see why there are some people that are like, hey, Zane Flores might come in and start right away. I don't see that happening because I think Garrett Rangel is too good. I think Gunnar Gundy is somebody that isn't underestimated. And it does look like we are definitely – Still kind of in the transfer portal hunt. If we don't get Brandon Armstrong, uh, I'm hearing there is a possibility that we could get a quarterback out of North Texas, which, you know, he's a, pretty similar to like a Whedon story. We only get him for a year, but he played professional baseball and he tried his hand at North Texas. Could be a potential option um, if, if that's something we're still leaning towards. But Zane Flores is definitely able to get, to get it all done. We offered late February 2022. And again, everybody who came knocking and came calling stayed committed. We were the first Power 5 team to give, a, give him an opportunity. And even though everybody came after him there for, for quite some time, he's going to be our guy moving forward at some point in time after he battles this thing out with Gary Rangel and Gunnar Gundy. Uh, somebody that we, we did hit on a video already was uh, Poasa Utu. 
This is another Bini Tonga connection. The Polynesian connection, the Bini Tonga has helped us maintain in Stillwater and really make even better. It's huge. It's massive. Thank you, sir. Hats off. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. But it's six foot, 210, 215 from Kennedale, Kennedale, Texas. That level of football in Texas is always going to be something that, that you, you can't scoff at, right? And when you have almost 100 tackles and you have 33 tackles for loss, right? And you have six sacks and you also have a couple picks. You look at the film. The reason why his, his, his star status isn't higher than it is, is 100% because the position. And you're, we're, we're going to get that a little bit later on as well. But the dude lines up as a defensive end and plays as a defensive end over and over and over and over and over. He is not going to play defensive in Oklahoma State. He's going to be kind of factored in a linebacker, which is one of the reasons why Gundy is so excited about him, as well as Ike, who we'll get to a little bit later on as well. The athleticism is just off the charts. He should not be playing defensive end, but he's just so daggone good that that's where he's at. And he makes plays. And as we mentioned in another video that I implore you to go watch, right? His head coach talked about how he's probably the best defensive, the defensive coordinator, the best player he's ever coached. So the skill level is off the charts. So let's jump back over to somebody we haven't had a chance to talk about. And that is Ricky Lolohea. At 6'1", 240, when we first started recruiting him, you know, you could tell it wasn't clear exactly where he was going to fit in, right? He was going to end up going to uh, U.S. High School because he's from Trinity, Texas. And, you know, U.S. does have a history of producing some talent. But you wanted to see him either, you know, get a little bit slimmer, a little bit faster, or maybe bulk up a little bit. And then from the day we started recruiting him to now, he's gone from 240 pounds to 305 pounds. So do you think Body by Glass is not somebody who's chomping at the bit to get this dude in the facility? 100% guaranteed. And that two-year, a less than two-year time span to put on that kind of weight and still be as hyped up as he is when he plays, the dude plays with a crud ton of emotion. He is reared up, roared up, and ready to rock and roll from the beginning of any of his highlight films that you put on. He loves the game of football. Very good three-technique type of dude, and clearly we're going to be able to put a little bit more size on him or at least make it the size that we need it, right, to be to fit exactly what we're trying to do with him. Um, but this guy's got really, really, really good leverage, right? Um, you show no, you see number 96 all the time because of the way that he manipulates the offensive lineman. He puts them where he wants them to go a good portion of the time. So he understands leverage. He understands how to kind of slide, keep his eyes in the backfield, eyes on the quarterback while maintaining his position. That is obviously something that comes with strength, which he's going to get more than enough of when he shows up. His hand fighting is very, very good. He is, again, is very good at multiple engagements. He can be engaged and have his vision somewhere somewhere completely different. And that's something you usually have to teach guys over time. They have to become comfortable with their, their technique, their set feet, their abilities to keep their hands in the right place to control the guy and also know exactly what's going on around him and where maybe the play is going to develop. So you see that out of him. And, you know, we, we, we had to beat off SMU, San Diego State, uh, and somebody like a Texas Tech. So, obviously, we think we've got something cooking in hot oil on that one. Let's go to Anoki, uh, 
somebody that we haven't uh, talked about a whole, whole lot again, and, and that's Jaden Foreman. At 6'5", 275 pounds, he's going to be very, very fast for a defensive tackle. He's one of those ones that when you look uh, strike up the film, he doesn't seem maybe the fastest uh, for a defensive end linebacker, uh, Colin Oliver type of role. But I think that if we can get this guy up to 290, 300, which I think is the plan, then I think he's going to be able to slide inside. He's going to be able to take on that Sione Asi role, that Tui Alamaka role of filling a gap, taking on a double team, opening up uh, some possibilities for other players to, to move in and make the play. Right, The more that your inside guys can eat up space and eat up bodies, the more your linebackers and defensive end and safeties can roam freely and see exactly where they need to diagnose next. So I, I think, again, this class, this toughness is going to be massive. We can work on Foreman's potential lateral quickness uh, deficiencies because when you pop on the film, some of his backside pursuit needs some work. Uh, so reading angles may be something that, that, that we try to incorporate as well. But again, very, very, very strong dude who has no problem mixing it up uh, when need be. And obviously you want to keep the Okies in when you get them. We've talked about Ladarius Webb quite a bit, but I think it's fair that we touch on him real quick again because the dude is a certified beast. His dad had a nine-year run with the Baltimore Ravens, has a Super Bowl, and it's funny when you pop on his tape and you pop on Ladarius Webb Jr.'s tape, it's very similar, extremely aggressive. So both of them kind of give up maybe some straight-line speed and make up for it in tenacity. And if you can play a decade darn near in the NFL – because you have the ability to make up for deficiency, it's going to give you massive potential. Well, it's the very exact same thing with Ladarius Webb Jr. Guys, if you go put on his Juco highlight film, it is probably, it's easily, not even close, top three. Funnest films to watch of all of these dudes. It is watching, it's it's the definition of a highlight, what Ladarius Webb Jr. does at the Juco level. And, with Jabbar Muhammad leaving, I'm, I'm, if this kid, guy, man, young man, can stay healthy, he's got every intangible you can ask for. He's even got a quote out there saying that I'll cover 50% of the field. The rest of it's up to God. Is that not somebody that you want to bring into campus? Yes. It, it, it's amazing. And out of Jones College, you know, he didn't get the biggest uh, publicity, but the kid loves to hit. He loves to lay the wood. And he's, he's actually really good about being sneaky uh, about how he kind of sets up uh, different wide receivers. If you aren't ready to cross the middle of the field, then uh, he's going to be your worst, worst nightmare. So he's the funnest to watch, I think, probably in all of the class. Other than maybe, well, okay, we'll just get to Cameron Hurd. Cameron Hurd was somebody who... We had to beat off uh, Arkansas or beat out <laughs> Arkansas, Texas Tech, Tulane, Louisiana. Why? Well, because he played quarterback. And a lot of places gave him open reign, right? Your Tulsa's, North Texas's, come here, play quarterback. We're all about it. He really, really, really just wants to play at the biggest level possible and have the best chance at winning titles that he can Conference titles, for sure, is something that we're supposed to get a hold of every other year at least now. We've gotten to that level. He's somebody that can help us continue to maintain that. He could play a multitude of positions, y'all. 
right? It's it's funny when you watch his film. He's the, the quarterback, and he's pretty much a wildcat quarterback for the most part. No matter what the defense does, they can shade to a, a certain side. They can blitz every single play. Every dude on that field knows that there's a 99% chance that Cameron Hurd is going to get the ball and run the ball. And they cannot stop him. The dude's already over 3,000 yards this season. It's insane. And he's somebody that we think is going to fill a massive role at wide receiver. Right? If we think maybe uh, Cameron Hurd could fill in for a Brent Presley type when, when BP moves on, 100%. You know, could he kind of take on what the Braylon Presley role was supposed to be? 100%. Except for he's bigger, right? He has the size that Braylon Presley wishes he had. This dude's already six foot, 165. Could he easily get up to 180? Yeah. Could he play safety for us? Yes, he has that, that amount of talent, capability. He can set up his blocks really well when he's rocking and rolling down the field. So when he sees the field. He could play a multitude of positions at Oklahoma State University. And we're, we're again, it's one of those three-star type of diamonds that we find because people pass because they look at him as a quarterback. Oklahoma State obviously was like, hey, we know that with all of the dudes that we put in the NFL above all these Boise States and what the heck ever is of the world, you can come to Oklahoma State, play wide receiver. Ta-da! That's massively exciting. That's why we got Stephon Johnson Jr. as well. The opportunity to play wide receiver specifically at Oklahoma State is a big deal. And so this kid's a steal, absolute steal. There's just, there's only so many dudes that you can get with this kind of athletic ability ever, anywhere. So he's probably the, the second funnest. I think I would still have to say Darius Webb Jr. is the funnest film <laughs> to get lost in. Uh, Cameron Hurd's probably a very close second. Cam Franklin, 6'3", 195, safety. Guys, this, Kendall Daniels, the predator of the back end in Stiller, Oklahoma, is building, I think, a little bit of a, of not envy, but um, it's becoming a thing. We have several safeties that are going to be 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 6'2", 6'3". All of our corners are going to be 5'11", 6'1", 6'2". has all been a strategic shift. And it's like, you know, maybe we're all hoping for that next evolutionary process of Gundy. And maybe we're seeing it now in the recruiting side of things. Cam Franklin is somebody that you want to see blitz again and again and again. Can I get a blitz, a blitz package for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Cam Franklin? Sign me up. His ability to be an early blitz package type of guy is all over the place. I would bet money that the Cam Franklin will see some blitz packaging as a, a freshman, as a potentially true freshman. Because when you're walking through the door at 6'3", 195, Okay, right? It's kind of like when Kendall Daniels showed up and everybody, you know, supposedly, including Gundy, was making jokes about how the dude walked out on the field and he looked like, uh, you know, a beast. He looked like he was already ready to go. Kind of like Ollie Gordon. When Ollie Gordon showed up, a lot of people thought he was like a linebacker because he's Kendall Daniels' daggone size. 
Kendall Daniels six five. Ollie Gordon's not quite six five, obviously, but when you got dudes this daggone big, right? Six three with this ability, and he plays with a mean streak, and he's physical, and he's from Louisiana. And he had the ability to be higher on the three-star list. But he committed to Oklahoma State a long time ago. And he's another one that did what? Stay true. So if you want to see some early blitz packaging, you will find it in Cam Franklin. And then probably here we go. You ready for the, the maybe number three on the funnest daggone films to watch of all these dudes? I got to go with Dylan Smith. I, myself, hadn't looked really deep into him. And I must say, I apologize to you, sir, I hope you watch this video, Dylan Smith. And I apologize for not knowing about you sooner at the level I should have, right? Because maybe, okay, 5'11", 175. Again, we're, we're always going to be in that 5'11", 6-foot range. It's kind of where we've been shopping in the last few years, and we've been getting those guys. So he's another one that fits that mold. But when I was writing up his highlight section, it is honestly the biggest. Ladarius Webb Jr. is probably the most impressive as far as just spectacular plays over and over and over again. Cameron Hurd makes a lot of crazy stuff happen. So if you like watching like the RG3 type of highlights, that's fun too. But Dylan Smith, right? Very strong, very strong, has very good hands, plays quite a bit of wide receiver, and it shows out um, very, very often. He understands route concepts. And on like uh, outside fades to the end zone, teams can't really run them on it. Because every time I could find film, he literally pushes the dude with his body out of bounds right after the pylon and ends up running the route for the guy. So he pushes the guy out of bounds with his hip, not his hands, and then he runs the route for the guy and catches the touchdown, which obviously is a turnover now. He's another one that has the ability to play on multiple sides of the field. His ball skills are phenomenal. His ability to... A high point, right? It makes you think it, he looks like a wide receiver. The anticipation of routes is big time, which is why we had to fend off Arkansas and a late push from Colorado uh, with Dion, Houston, Nebraska, KU, Indiana, SMU, Stanford, Louisville. He's worth his weight as three-star gold. And again, body by glass with this toughness in the mean streak that he plays with to go with this athleticism. There's a reason why all these dudes wanted him. Dylan Smith is going to be somebody to watch and it's fun, right? So when you look at some of the publications, Dylan Smith comes in in, in an area as far as the rankings go, that's kind of surprising. So we'll have to remember this. He ranks number 86 at his position for safety in America. Okay. Dylan Smith does. And all of these people are after him. But before we, we, we get there, we got to talk about Ike Essenwoon. Six foot one, 215 pound linebacker from Manor, Texas. Now, he's another one of these. So if you look at the film, you don't know exactly where he's going to play. He plays a lot of safety, obviously a lot of linebacker. But he also plays a decent, decent amount of defensive end, as well as, you ready? Wide receiver. And a wide receiver, he's actually fairly... Fairly fluid. And he's a phenomenal blocker. He has a lot of pancakes on the stat sheet way the heck out there on the numbers. So the physicality, which is one of those things you cannot, you can't coach it. His closing speed is part of why he plays wide receiver. His straight line speed is dangerous. So does he diagnose things always the best? Maybe not. 
But I think it's partially because he's playing out of position. Just because he's so flipping good, he can play safety at that level. When he comes to Oklahoma State and we get him to hone in on linebacker, just like Gundy said, the the potential is limitless because the athleticism jumps off the screen, jumps off the page in an instant. Okay, so we just talked about Dylan Smith, right? Probably the third funnest highlight to watch. And he's ranked number 86 in America at his position. R.J. Lester is ranked number 92. So, you know, they're, they're not very far apart. And R.J. Lester at, at 6'1", 185, 180, I think he's a developmental style of piece, right? He is very, very aggressive. He plays very, very, very physical. Uh, he's got really sneaky hands, honestly. He controls the wide receivers uh, quite a bit. He, he thrives in zone coverage from what I can tell. He has a tendency to kind of stand a little bit too tall sometimes. So he gets uh, he gets tripped up on, on double moves occasionally. But the thing of it is, if Smith, Dylan Smith, was sought after by all those teams, and he's 86, C.J. Lester is at 92, and nobody was really all over him. That much of a difference can go from you being wanted by a bunch of big-time D1s to you potentially have to take a lesser role at a lesser level. It just, it is what it is. So RJ Lester, with his size, again, he's going to be somebody that we can factor in, sneak in, another three-star. But again, those are close. So you, you'd expect somebody like an RJ Lester to have more offers. So he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder, something to prove. Uh, another one that Gunny talked about specifically was Taiwan Ray Jr. This guy comes in at 6'3", 185. As again, you ready? A safety from Campbell High School in Smyrna, Georgia. He's a very, very good vert vertical. He's a punisher. Um, he right, reminds me of Antoine Lucian with much better uh, angle capabilities and, and speed. Um, but he likes to hit that away. So stringing east to west, if people try to string east to west with him on the field, you're wasting your time, wasting your space. The guy, This was the guy that Gundy was saying if we don't have this massive transfer market, then somebody like a, a Taiwan Ray is a very, very sought-after asset. But because of the transfer market, some of these, these, these three-star type of dudes, they can be looked at as, you know, D1's like, okay, we're going to get more transfers now. So maybe some of these guys can go to a smaller school like a Tulsa or an SMU and prove to us that they're ready and then bring them in, right? That shift in recruiting affects a, a player like this. So you talk, you talk about somebody else coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Talon Ray is going to be that dude. He opens his hips to invite the quarterback to make mistakes. He takes risks. Uh, if you ever heard Deion Sanders talk about this before, he would purposely let the receiver go by him or make the receiver think that he got him on a route. So the quarterback thought so as well, went ahead and threw it just so he could bait him into doing exactly what he needed him to do to get the inter interception by taking phenomenal angles, having a good break on the ball, good wide receiver style of, style of traits. That's amazing. And that's this guy. And it's 6'3", 185, right? That's one of those things that you just, you cannot teach. And if you look at some of his film, it's funny. Uh, they have wide receivers. Tried to do double, triple moves on him. And I, I, I can envision from the camera way up that he's smiling because you could take that, the rope, 
that you use for training, right? They're like six, eight foot long. And they've got the bungee. You could take a three-foot rope, four-foot rope, and all of these double, triple moves, he's within that rope length of their hips. So how he gets overlooked, don't know, don't care. But, uh, yeah, Taiwan Ray is somebody that we're going to have to pay attention to. Everybody, all over. We have already talked about Noah McKinney, 6'5", 295, redshirt freshman, went to UNLV. Hopefully that means some extra whiting on the wall with some UNLV connections there. But, uh, yeah, he's going to come in. He's going to be able to, to slide in and, and help possibly immediately if he can get used to this, this level of, of play. And then you got Kenneth Mook Harris. We've talked about him a little bit. The knock on him originally was 4-5, right? But you tell you can tell sometimes on film when somebody has breakaway speed and or football speed. Kids got football speed from Caldwell Parish. Again, maybe not the fastest 40 coming out of high school, but he clearly makes up for it. He makes up for his mistakes by making you pay for it. So, like, for instance, if you run a slant route and he doesn't have the, the, the time to get underneath because maybe he didn't read it right, maybe he was a step or two too late, and then he's looping way around you, he's going to give you the catch, but then absolutely destroy you. He's going to murder you on the tackle. I saw that a lot in Phil. It's like he makes a mistake, and instead of trying to go with the exact correct path, He's really good about being, okay, crap, I gave that part up. But let me loop around here and boom, made up for it. That's the that's the key to his game. His film is pretty fun too, right? He's another one that can high point, really daggone well. Um, he, can, he can really manipulate you into doing things that uh, allow his mistakes to help him flourish, right? So it's like the, the, the mindset of if you cheat, I read. He makes people cut their routes off early and stuff because they just, they mentally, they mentally know that he's lurking uh, somewhere in, in the backside. So especially from a zone coverage, a, a dime nickel package, I think that somebody can slide in and be an immediate asset. We've already talked about Anthony Goodlow quite a bit. Six five, four star, had to fend off a lot of dudes for him. We thought he was possibly going to USC, UCLA, TCU. He ends up saying, no, nah, I'm a four star dude. I'm going to go right up the road with my buddy, Justin Wright. If you haven't seen the episode with Justin Wright on the show, uh, definitely, definitely one of the, the cooler interviews that, that we've kind of done on the show. You've got to go check that one out. But, yeah, you know, we talked about on the show with him. Can you help bring your buddy? Because you fit that that Mason Cobloss. 101 tackles? Yes, sir. Bring that in here. Right? We lose 96. Bring in 101. His tenacity. He's got that Coach Campbell up in Detroit. Chew your kneecaps off mentality. We're going to see it on the field. I was hoping he could bring his buddy with him, and he did, even though it did look like that Anthony was going to end up going to, you know, US, USC, UCLA, or even a TCU. I think he made the right choice, especially, you know, with the loss of, of Trace Ford, even though he never really got to play enough uh, for us to experience how good he was going to be. You could see the flashes. Anthony Goodlow is going to make up some of that ground. Sean Tyler, we have talked about a little bit as well. Again, transfer running back from Western Michigan. He fits that Jaden Nixon type of, of scat back style of role. If we're trying to run his own blocking scheme, he's somebody who fits that very well. you got to have vision. you got to be able to set up your block so you can cut it back. Jalen Warren does it very well. Justice Hill does it very well. Chuba Hubbard did it very well. Dominic Richardson, wish him the best at Baylor. I don't really like seeing him go to uh, in Big 12 competition. But let's face it, Baylor's running style will fit Dominic Richardson pretty daggone well. So I, I hope he does well. But Sean Tyler now adds another 
lightning to the thunder. So if you got Jaden Nixon, uh, and then you got Holly Gordon, lightning and thunder. Now you got Sean Tyler, DeAndre Jackson. Again, lightning and thunder. So we go lightning and thunder now all the way through, through the 4-5 deep. This is an impressive get. Again, the way he can set up his cutback lanes is very Jalen Warren-esque. And he's very cut, right? For for being in that 5'10", 190-pound range, that's pretty good, pretty good mass. You can see it. Like, he's very, very shredded. I wouldn't necessarily say he's, he's big like Jalen, but he's very cut, very shredded. So, clearly, he takes the weight room very seriously, takes his nutrition seriously, takes football seriously. You don't have back-to-back 1,000-plus-yard seasons if you ain't worth your salt, buddy. So, he's definitely going to be able to, to slide in and help. We talked about this on Shriveling. Huge get from Washington State. Has that Justin Blackman, Des, not Des Bryant, uh, Terrell Owens, kind of hunched over when they start the route for the first 10 yards. But once they get their stride going, good daggone luck. And that that, that size, the size of Shriveling brings, another 6'3 type of dude, he's going to go up and get the ball. 50-50 fade routes, this guy is going to eat you for lunch. The type of dudes that can maybe, maybe you know, go up against this guy are your Dale Revises who want to be on that island. But any corner who's not ready to be on that island is not ready to line up across from Dazon Stribling. Jaden Bray, right, didn't get enough shine yet because of his injury. When you have Dazon Stribling on the field, you got to respect that you can get mossed, you can get head topped. Well, and then if Stribling's off the field and it's Bray, Got to do the same thing. So the combos that we're setting up, again, are just phenomenal. Guys, I love this this journey so far. Thank you for, for being on it with me. We're going to continue to get some stuff out because we have some preferred walk-on options as well that we'll go over. But, um, you know, I knew this was going to go a little bit longer. I tried to rock and roll pretty daggone fast. But that's everybody. We just uh, had the ability to rock and roll all the way down the list and and hit, hit a, a, a little bit of everybody's film. And um, it, it, it was fun. It was very, very fun. Because, again, the takeaway is the aggressiveness, the tenacity, the sock you in the mouth, the go to war. It, just it's phenomenal to see. I love it. I can't wait to see more of it. This is a fun time, guys. Do not stress about the number. The number 39 class, number 41 class, whatever. It's not It's not acceptable on a consistent basis. Gundy's, we have to step up. We need to be a top 20, top 25 recruiting team every single year because we've had that level of success. If you're a top 10 winning program in the power, all power five for the last decade plus, got to have better recruiting classes. But this is one of those rare times that the needs that we feel coupled with the amount of uh, – underclassmen and, and freshmen that are now a bunch of starting and playing experience coming back. You put those two together with this transfer class and the tenacity, the meanness, the nastiness. I love it. This looks like a team that Les Miles would have brought out in 2003 with a lot more depth and a lot more talent and a lot more speed, which makes us a lot more excited. This Wisconsin game is going to be fun. It's going to be a dogfight, I hope. And yes, this is going to be the only game. You ready? Write it down. This is going to be the only game that we see maybe the biggest glaring difference between having Spencer and Mason Cobb and Jabbar Muhammad than not. Now, but watch these guys show up and show out. 
And then this is again the beginning of next season as opposed to the end of this season. I know you know that makes sense somewhere deep down. Guys, I guess that is all we got for this one. So, as always, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. I thank you for making this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. All right, y'all. Until next time. Later.